The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, in this series we're in, and we're following the path, if you were here last week, of our dear friend Richard Beck, who's written a book called Chasing Magic Eels, and it really is about the sense of what it is like to live in a world that's lost its enchantment and its beauty and its sense of God's activity with us. And, uh, and he describes this as a constant ache, that if you don't sense that God's present with you, you live with this sense of ache and longing. And my guess is that you've probably hit a season like I hit about 10 years ago. I even feel anxiety when I start to talk about it. I, I hit this season just as we moved into this building that I felt like I was, um, I was peaking in terms of my ability to make an impact on people. We moved into this building, we loved this building, and God was doing amazing things, and we were serving people all across the globe, and right in the middle of it, it felt like I, I came to a dead halt. I was in this uh, ritual that I had with my kids um, that was really about avoiding making dinner for them, and so what we would do is we would go for a walk, and uh, we would end up at a neighborhood restaurant. And because uh, what happens when you don't cook for them, or even if you cook for them, everybody's got an opinion of what they want, right? And every kid wants something different. And so I developed in my parental genius this methodology to choose where we would eat without asking what, where anyone wanted to eat. And so we would flip a coin and the coin would tell us where to eat. Uh, most often it was Mexican or pho. And I was thrilled that the coin pointed us to Mexican on this particular day. And we are walking through a crosswalk, ready to feast on chips and salsa and queso. And out of nowhere, an SUV just hits us in the crosswalk. And um, my kids were launched different directions. Christian, who's now uh, six foot three and um, a massive 15 year old was seven and he broke his collarbone and and I ended up with a fracture in my hip and it was the kind of fracture you can't see on the outside but on the inside it just created a lot of pain and and I went from this place where I was active and I was doing things every week and they were really really beautiful and the world kind of stopped and all of a sudden I started learning that at least there were certain people in my life that probably cared for me more for what I did for them than like who I just am. And, and that I really liked the things that I do and I liked finding meaning in what I did. And that all of a sudden it was really hard to find meaning in sitting and waiting. It was really hard for me to find meaning in pain. And the thing I miss most was that I often get to travel to places and represent us in the most sacred work we get to do in bringing food and clean water to people. And all of a sudden I went about a year without any of those trips. And I'll remember getting to the end of it and just feeling like I have to, I've gotta reconnect with what that felt like to be useful to God and useful in the world. And from looking at you, a few of you may have felt that place. It was dark. It was a dark season. And I, I remember the excitement that I had to go on my very first trip after a year. And I was going to, um, to go through uh, Korea where we were raising money with a partner to drill water wells in North Korea. And then on to Cambodia where we had started a new water drilling ministry uh, with a young friend there that had 
done exceptional training with Living Water and was doing amazing work. And I was just so excited. And I'll never forget, I got to the San Francisco airport. We flew in there and then we had a direct flight from San Francisco to Seoul. And I had prayed, I was in line for a free upgrade from uh, the back of the bus to the front of the bus. And in this plane, that meant a lay flat seat, right? And if you've broken your hip, a lay flat seat is a beautiful thing. And I get a notification just as we're boarding that Jesus actually loves me and they were putting me in a lay flat seat. And I kid you not, I started texting all my friends, family, just like, it's true, there is a God, he does love me, and there is a lay flat seat for me. And just as the flight was getting ready to take off, the flight attendant came and said, I'm so sorry, Mr. C, we've made a mistake. The person that actually bought this ticket is now here, and you were moving to a middle seat in the back, right? For 18 hours. And I texted everyone, there is no God, he hates me and I'm in utter despair, right? And I had not calculated how painful like sitting like this for 18 hours would be. And, uh, and I get there and I am so excited to get to our ministry in Cambodia after a day there, but I literally can't get on the next plane. And I went back to this place of failure. Like I'm, use, I'm useless to my church, I'm useless to God, I'm useless to my family. And it just, it hit me like a wave. And I got to tell you, Ecclesia, it was as though God knew, like, we can knock him down, but we got to lift him back up somehow. And within five minutes of canceling my flight to Cambodia, I got a, a message on Twitter from a Korean pastor. And he just said, hey, I saw on your feed and social media that you're in Korea. Is there any chance you would come preach for me this weekend? And I said, well, I just canceled my flight to Cambodia, so I could come preach for you. Where is your church? And his church was it a place, the only place in Korea that I longed to visit? My grandfather died in the first battle of the Korean War in a battle called Osan. And this friend says to me, he was only my friend on social media, I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Osan. And I got to go preach a mile from where my grandfather died on the first battle of the Korean War. And I gotta tell you, I stood there with a sense of sacredness. Like, I don't know about you, but that doesn't happen by accident. It wasn't a mistake. And in fact, I started to preach and I started telling a story and I realized as I was preaching it, like this is a uniquely Christian thing. I'm a mile from the battlefield where North Koreans killed my grandfather and I was there to raise money to drill water wells for the people that killed him. That's the kind of thing Jesus does, right? And so if you wanna preach a sermon, it's a pretty good sermon to preach. And as I was preaching it, a large Korean man, I swear to you, as tall as Yao Ming, stood up in the middle of my sermon and marched towards me. I thought he wanted to hurt me. And he came towards me and he started speaking in Korean. I had no idea what he was saying. But what I learned afterwards as they translated was that he was the minister, the former minister of defense uh, for South Korea. And the story he told when he got up and interrupted my freaking sermon <laughs> was that he was on his way to church and the Holy Spirit spoke to him in a way that he'd never heard before. And he said while he was driving to church, the Holy Spirit told him to turn around and to go home and to bring a medal that he's been authorized to present to people as the Secretary of Defense to people whose family members have given their lives in service to Korea. And he was weeping, this big tall man, as he wrapped a medal around me and I was weeping and the whole church was weeping. I could tell you the whole story, it goes on and on. And every, every second of that day, I could tell it had been initiated and inaugurated by God himself. There was no mistaking it. No, no one could even begin to call it a coincidence. So much so that I got on the plane and I told the pastor who was there with me, I said, look out for whoever's on the plane because I'm probably supposed to talk to them about Jesus, right? And uh, like, 
just the way things are working, like it's gonna be a divine appointment. And sure enough, I get on the plane with this guy. He's a scientist. He's not, he's not, he said, I've never been a person of faith. But what he described was he was on a pilgrimage. His wife had died three months before and he was searching for meaning and he had served in the Korean War and he wanted to come back to Korea. And he was asking, what more is there? If she's gone, will I ever see her again? And what does that mean? And he's like, now I get stuck for 18 hours with a pastor, <laughs> right? And you know what we talked about? We talked about Jesus. And then I asked him at some point, what is it that you do? And he said, well, I, I'm this kind of scientist. And then he said, he's a marine uh, biologist. And he said, the best way to describe to you my expertise is to show you a video. And so this is a video uh, of a dive that he took uh, in the Bahamas where he captured uh, the essence of what he studies in his life. And this is him speaking. Now, just take a look at this. Now we can run the sequence in reverse and you can see the dynamics of what's going on. It's to do with not only overall good pattern match and color match, but even the three-dimensional texture match is very similar to the algae. So it's taken all these four critical parts and it's matched all of them for this wonderful camouflage. I go see, I gotta tell you, this guy's smarter than anybody I've ever met. He, he's the world's leading expert on squid and octopus and all cephalopods. He knows more about how they camouflage than anybody in the world. And what he'll tell you is that it's the tip of the iceberg. Like God designs, can you, does that look like a coral reef or what? You got masks on so I can't fully tell if you're agreeing. Like that's unbelievable what God did. And even the greatest scientists on the planet can't come up with a way for military to create a camouflage that does that. What God designed in these simple organisms that he filled the ocean with. And what this dear friend and I could talk about was this sense that the world is filled with enchantment because God has made it so beautiful that we couldn't understand it or describe it. And this is what I fear, is that most of us have moved into a world where we've tried to separate the place that God belongs. And for us, I grew up in a church where we called that the sacred world. And what's happened over time is the sacred has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And the secular has gotten larger and larger and larger. And people of faith have forgotten that there's no such thing as secular. That it doesn't exist. That God made everything and everything belongs to God. And if we try to write off one small part, right? The church I grew up in was really big on music. You could have Christian music or not Christian music, right? And I remember being a kid, right? Anybody remember the first time you heard that keyboard riff? that Eddie Van Halen and his friends wrote, right, this. And you hear that riff, right, and you're like, that's beautiful, right? And anybody else like, that is beautiful. I gotta tell you, that riff belongs to God. God made that melody, right? And, and there is no, uh, there's, there's no category you can create where you offer that melody apart from God. It belongs to God. All of it belongs to God. And so what happens is if we start to live in a world where the God part is over here and it gets really small, 
And the secular part is over here and it's all the work we do and the places we drive and the places we go and the appointments we have and all the things we're supposed to do. And all that's the secular part and that's the part that God's not in. You know what's gonna happen? You're gonna be anxious, you're gonna be depressed. We're gonna see what we see in the world right now where suicide rates are skyrocketing, where depression is skyrocketing, where anxiety is skyrocketing. Why? Because we live in a world where God's absent. And so what we're calling you into is exactly what God's already called you into, by the way. He created us and made us for the garden where he walked with us and was present. Is to remember that the whole world is sacred. I tell you that story from Korea to tell you not that God will do amazing things when you travel to Korea, because what was really poignant was to come back and meet with my spiritual director then and tell him the story. I was like, hey, you know what? The good news is God's not done with me, right? I'm like, I thought he was done with me, but he's not because this thing happened in Korea. And he just looked at me with a smile and said, Chris, God didn't, doesn't take you to Korea. To, he does that every day. The people you're on the elevator with are the people you're supposed to be on the elevator with. The people that you sit next to at lunch, the person in the office next to you, they were appointed to be there. You just missed it. You just ignored it. You just happened to be aware when you sat in that chair flying back. And by the way, I did get the lay flat upgrade on the way back. God was like, you preached just well enough that you're gonna get the free upgrade on the way back, right? And so meeting a famous scientist in the lay flat seat was much more pleasant than sitting next to him in a middle seat in the back. And, and in the midst of it, I began to realize that every day, the, the, the friend that mows your lawn, the person that uh, you run into by what you think is chance is not chance at all. And what we long to do in this series is to say, what if that secular part of your world disappeared? And all of a sudden we realized all of it's sacred. It all belongs to God. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 10. He's talking about what you do and I wanna talk about who you are and what you do. But he says in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, right? Whether you sit or sleep, whether you work or relax, whether you drive or walk, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Ecclesia, this is what we're made for, to wake up each day. And some of the things I do are not the things I necessarily think I want to do. But when I live in a world where everything belongs to God, all of a sudden I realize the thing that I hated doing, which for me most often is acknowledging the fact that my boys somehow can't figure out that it's not that hard to wash a dish and put it in the dishwasher. And as I wash their dishes to realize like this is, a, this is the service of Christ, right? Our, our dear sister, Alexandra, and if you get to watch the worship table, which is our new online offering that's really intended so you can gather with people and share it. And she, I forget who she quoted, but she said, uh, even as I fold the laundry, right, she was re reminded that it's as though as she creases um, the shirts as she folds them, that, that God's love is flowing through her fingertips. Right? Our, our brother Paul reminded us that when we slow down he described what many of you would describe, the least sacred place, and I'm gonna to talk to you about why it's not, but what feels like the least sacred place is your car in traffic. That's where you think Satan lives, right? Not that God would be present with you there. And, and Paul was reminded recently that in this freeway that he should have been going 60 on, and he was going four miles per hour, right? And almost stopping. That he all of a sudden saw things, right? He saw these weeds growing out 
uh, of the concrete columns and the reels. These are the flowers were pushing their way through even in the concrete, that God's way of saying, hey, I'm gonna put beauty everywhere, like literally everywhere. And so today, Ecclesia, I wanna invite you to consider what would that look like? I wanna read to you and walk with you through Colossians 3. And then I wanna give you three really practical things to think about that I really believe if we practice, it would change us. So this is how Paul puts it in Colossians 3, and he's talking about this kind of life, a life that's truly holy. At the 9 a.m., we did one of my favorite things to do, and if you've got a kid or a baby here that we haven't dedicated or baptized, you ought to know that we want to dedicate or baptize your kid. It's part of what makes our life meaningful. And one of the things we do when we do that is that we take a little oil and we anoint them with oil. Right? And we're, one of my main prayers for all of our kids is that all of their lives, they would know that God's with them. Because if you know and believe in your core that God's with you, the scriptures tell us if he's for you, right? Then who could be against you? If you live with that sense that God's always with you, you'll live differently. And so what we wanna do is live that life. And this is what Paul's talking about Colossians 3, is all of us living with that sense of our life is holy and it belongs to God. In verse 12, he says it this way, since you are all set apart by God, and say it with me, since you are what? Since you are all, all. Since you are, say it with me, all set apart by God, made holy, and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with a holy way of life. What's he saying? He's saying all of your life belongs to God. It's all holy, it's all sacred. And when you see it that way, this is part of what's gonna flow out of it. If you realize that the person in the office next to you is not sent there by the devil to annoy you, but sent by God for you to bless, what's gonna happen is that you're, uh, what's gonna flow out of you will be different because you realize that I'm here next to them for a reason and so all of a sudden what comes out of you are things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. These are not things that are easy to produce on your own. These come from the Spirit of God. Then he says one of the most beautiful things in all of scripture, it's blunt and to the point, right? Paul says this, would you please put up with one another? He says, like, you're Christians and all, but if, if you just try to put up with one another, that would be really good. And then he says, how, how are you gonna do that? Forgive. Ecclesia, it's almost impossible to live a life that feels holy and sacred if you're holding on to anger and resentment. Forgiveness is that path to freedom. So he says, put up with one another and forgive. And then do this, he says, pardon any offenses against one another as the Lord has pardoned you. I don't know about you, but I got people that sinned against me yesterday and the day before, and people that did things that were just not kind, right? And I got two choices. I hold on to them, and I let it really mess with my day. Anybody have a tendency to do that? Just to like let it blow up your whole day. The one, somebody sends you a mean text message, and it's all you can think about. Or you got the ability to say, you know what? God's forgiven me for way worse things than a stupid text message. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna pardon. Then he says, but above all else, do this, put on love. Love is the perfect tie to bind these together. He says, and love, as our friend Bob Goff says, love what? Love does. Love leads to action. It will always lead us to act. So, so he says this, he says, let your hearts fall under the rule of the anointed's peace. 
the peace that you were called to as one body and be thankful. Let the word of the anointed one richly inhabit your lives, right? What's he saying? He's saying it ought, to, it ought to be the thing that fills you, that inhabits you. With all wisdom, teach counsel and instruct one another and sing the Psalms, compose hymns and songs inspired by the Spirit and keep on singing and sing to God. This is what I wanna tell you, Ecclesia. I believe this will be one of the indications if what we're talking about in this series is taking root for you, you're gonna to start to do one thing while you're walking around, while you're driving, you do other things and you're not even gonna realize it. You're gonna just be singing. Anybody notice, you know why it's so great to be around kids? There's a bunch of reasons, but one is they sing. They whistle, they sing. They find melodies and they hold on to them. Some of us are so grumpy, we're running a tape that's just like, like if you could hear what's in your head, right? It's, I can't stand. And instead God's like, I I made this beautiful world. What I long for, right? Is for you to, to live, I, I have this favorite hymn, right? And the, mel- the, the, the chorus goes, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And it tells us if his eye's on the sparrow, right? Then he's definitely watching me. If his eye is on, as Paul reminded us in the online service this week, on the pigeon that we think are like rats that fly, but he says, Paul reminds us, he's a bird guy. If you catch Paul, he'll tell you all more about birds than you want to know. At some point, you'll just, you'll walk away. <laughs> but he'll remind you that the pigeons are a part of the dove family and the doves symbolize the presence of God. And even in these small places, we see it. If something's kicking in and you're actually paying attention to the sermon this week, you're gonna find yourself singing. And he says, this is what it's gonna do. Your heart's gonna spill over with thankfulness. That's a good place to be. He says, surely, no matter what you're doing, speaking, writing, or working, and we could go on, cleaning, you name it, driving, do it all in the name of Jesus, our master, sending thanks through him to God, our Father. So what do we do, Ecclesia, to not live in a world where most of it feels secular and God's not there, and some of it feels sacred just when we go to church and read the Bible? What do we do? Let me give you three things I'd like you to consider. And here's the first. Would you imagine what you're going to do this week? So just with me, think about your schedule this week. Anything on your calendar you can think of? Anything you're doing? And would you do this? Would you just infuse everything you do with possible meaning? Would you imagine, like, if I'm going to be in this gathering, why might I be there? What is the contribution that I might offer? Who is it that God might have me touch? Isn't it great to be back in the room and hear babies again, by the way? That does not happen in my online service experience and I miss it so much. We have so many beautiful babies here, right? And that baby was here to remind us that the world's good. One of the reasons I like to be in a room with babies is because nope, people don't talk mean when there are babies around. Have you noticed that? <laughs> if somebody's holding a baby, even if you're gonna say like, I don't like you at all, you say like, I really don't like you at all. You say it like Mr. Rogers, right? <laughs> Because there's a baby around. You talk kinder and gentler, right? This is what I'd like you to do. Whatever you have going on this week, would you begin to imagine it as though God planned your week for you? And would you imagine what impact you might be intended to have? I, I really believe if you'll do this, 
you're going to experience your week in a different way. Secondly, I want you to do something that sounds very, um, um, it, it sounds very Christian, and that's, we're Christians, so that's what I want to invite you to do. It's this really spiritual high word, and this word is, is to hallow. It means to acknowledge that something is holy and sacred. So this is what I want you to do. I want to invite you to hallow your spaces. So where, where are you going to be this week? And this is what I tell you, the places that you are most often, you ought to do something to hallow them. So one of my favorite things to do as pastor of Ecclesia is that some of you will invite me into your home when you move and we, we dedicate your home and we anoint oil over doors and we pray for spaces and we pray that this would be a place God would bless you and you'd find peace and you'd sleep really good and your kids would think about good things and there'd be a place of happiness. I want you to know that your house, that your bedroom is a place that's hallowed. God is there. And if you will do some things to acknowledge that God is there, you're going to find you experience it in a different way. And particularly, this is what I want you to do. Because you often think your car is not a sacred space, I want to invite you to do just that. Even when you get in the car as you leave, because that's probably the last time you'll think about the sermon for the week. As you get in the car, would you just say a prayer and say, God, this car is a gift from you. And some of you are going to go, it's a crappy gift from you, but it's a gift from you, right? <laughs> This car comes from you, and you're present here. And this space is a space where you can speak to me. I can hear you. I can even experience healing and rest here because you're present with me. And I want to acknowledge that while I'm in this car, you're always with me. I want to tell you, if you'll do that, and you can even go so far as just get some, uh, some olive oil and just anoint it, put it on your steering wheel so you see it when you touch it, right? Show up with greasy hands. If you just, and you just see that olive oil, that it's, it, it always has been, it's why we anoint babies with it. It's a symbol of the presence of God. And you just go, God is with me in the car. So in your car, in your house, in your office, the places that you are, are most often, will you do something this week to pray over them and hallow them? And then lastly, this is what I want to ask you to do. Most of us have lost this sense of enchantment and beauty because we become a really boring people. And, and we're made with a, a creativity and an imagination that we've of, often disengaged. So this is what I want you to do. Find ways to ignite your imagination about the world that God created. And for me, part of the way that that's happened, when I read books like the Chronicles of Narnia that C.S. Lewis uh, wrote and that by the way if you've got kids and you're not sharing those during the pandemic you're missing an opportunity and if you're just a regular person you just it literally when you re-engage this world of Narnia and the trees are speaking you're just remind God they're living things right you remember like the plants in your house are living things right the flowers are living things and though they can't speak they they are alive God made a world that is alive and so I want to invite you to ignite your imagination to an enchanted world. A lot of pastors aren't big fans of the Harry Potter series. I am a big fan. I, I think it's a reminder as you read it, it ignites your imagination, the beauty that God created. I got to take one of my kids to Universal Studios and that Harry Potter world, and I was geeked out as much as he was, right? And you just have this sense of the, the world is much more mysterious than we realize. And then lastly, I just want to tell you, I learned that lesson. Remember the lesson I told you about at the beginning of the sermon 10 years ago? I thought God was done with me. I thought like, if I hadn't done anything meaningful for him in 
weeks or months, and I was preaching like sermons on painkillers, which is a bad idea, by the way. You will say stupid things. I just felt like I wasn't doing what I was made to do. I would, I'd lost the sense of meaning and purpose. And, it, and I entered the season of darkness. And God, God showed me right on this, this trip, like, I'm, I'm never giving up on you. Like, I'm never going to put you in a place where I'm not with you. But I got to tell you, you would think I would learn that lesson once and for all, right? But I'll tell you, I, I entered another dark season before the pandemic a place where I thought I was totally alone. Then the world shuts down and I'm like, are you kidding me, God? Right? All these things I love to do, all of a sudden, I can't preach in person to you like I normally do. I can't go on these trips. All these things that offered meaning. And, and in the midst of it, God was saying, hey, I've still got a plan for you. And this week, even though I went through this dark, hard season, I had the best week of my life. So. I just turned 50, by the way, on Tuesday, which felt really great. And, um, and now I'm gonna start exercising again. Um, I'm gonna get back at it. I turned 50 and I got to celebrate in the midst of the pandemic, uh, when the world totally shut down and I felt most alone, God reconnected me with an old friend. I needed to rent a house in, uh, in the, the somewhere on the coast to go be with family and, and my friend Kristen from high school. We had, we had one date in high school, I'll tell you the short story. Uh, I took her on a date in high school to the Fort Bend County Fair and I put her on this amazing ride, the zipper, and she threw up and the date was over. And, um, and 32 years later we reconnected and we laughed about that story for so long that we realized we might laugh about other things. And on my 50th birthday, I proposed to her, and she said yes. And, um, and I was reminded once again that, um, that, I can, that we can go through hard seasons where we feel like there is no meaning and there is no purpose, and that God all along is orchestrating little things. I could tell you all, uh, so many stories of how he winked at me on this journey, but wherever you're at, um, you're probably kicking yourself like, I should have learned this already. Why am I in this place of despair? Um, we're, we're in this together and we lock arms and we walk it together. But what I can promise you is God's not done with you. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you today. He has a plan for your future. And I pray that we walk together in the kind of community where we help one another find it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ectasiahouston.org.